Thank you. All right, oh, we are live. Let me just make sure everything is porting over to the group. I put my legends hat on for you guys since you guys are both legends. I thought it fit the, uh, you know. <laughs> Some people say legends are just another way of a nice way of saying old people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I'm probably the oldest here. So yeah, I can. How, uh, how old are you, Depeche? Uh, 42. How long have you been doing it, media buying? How long have I been doing it? 2005, 2006. Okay. A little longer than I have been. So, yeah. No, I wouldn't say it was any good, but I, I was trying. <laughs> you were doing well, we you were definitely doing it. it. <laughs> I still this learn is, every single day. So, I mean, we get better every day. Absolutely. This is, the, this is the only thing about this industry of like the older and the longer you've been doing it, the better you get. But the newer the things are that you have to be super open to what's happening. Like, obviously this is what the entire topic of, of today is, but even at the position of like how much access you have, you're still like, you have to be clicking buttons to still be involved in shit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one big thing that I see is a lot of people that get even out of the ad buying side, but have been doing it so long, they can still talk, but you even with all these changes that Facebook's been doing, I mean, it's hard when you're not in those accounts, seeing all these new buttons, seeing everything that's changing, seeing how they're changing the name of DCO. Like it's just, it's crazy. You have to still be in there to be able to understand what's going on or get brief from your team for sure. So I, I can't wait to talk about that. I have to do both. So I currently have like a decent system for this, but um, cool. Well, let's go ahead and get started. So today we want to talk about diversification. I mean, I think all of us are in the agency space here and we all know, I personally can tell you that it's gotten harder over the last 12 to 24 months, especially with clients. I don't know how you guys are seeing it, but it's like clients are just, they're like squeezing your nuts and they're just keep squeezing and they want to squeeze everything out of those things. And it's just becoming a challenge more and more every single day. Um, you know, and one big thing that I was thinking about when we got this live together was you know, we don't talk a lot about diversifying. Uh, same thing with investments, diversifying your portfolio can save your life, can save your business. So that's kind of what I wanted to uh, chat today with these two legends about. Um, so we're just going to dive right into it. If you guys have questions, drop them in the uh, comments chat um, and we will definitely get to, I will change that to gallery mode. Thanks for that. Um, we will definitely uh, get that going. Uh, let me change that quick. There we go. Nobody wants to see my face the whole time, even though I'm beautiful. You are. You're, you're a good looking dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and start out. Um, let's talk about ad strategy as it's changed over the last 12 to 24 months with iOS and all these economic slowdowns and client squeezing. Um, I'll let each one of you guys go and then we'll kind of just do, you know, a roundtable topic. But how has that changed for you guys? Um, and now, and how have you transitioned and what does that look like now? We'll go ahead and start with you, Nick. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, first off, I hope everyone's doing well. Um, I, I talk about this kind of as often as I possibly can. Uh, AdLeaks, uh, Justin, Tim, the crew here, even Depeche, they've been a part of my journey. I'm, I'm 31 years old. I've been doing this for about 13 years. Um, and I've started from the very, very beginning. I, I think the second agency job I ever had was Tim Burr and he hired me and I was at the agency Y group. So I'm very, very appreciative for, for what the Godfather has done for me in my life and my career um, and then continuing on the Alex community. So first, I have to get that off my chest and shout that out um, right now where I sit. So I have, I'm, I'm speaking from, from four positions of access. The first one is I wrote checks and have access into Triple Whale and Northbeam. So like I'm speaking from a, a, an investor standpoint 
as well as I'm speaking from an investor standpoint of motion app where like we get a lot of creative and then we obviously are an agency and then we have editing tool called constant creative. So we, I sit in the position of like thousands and thousands of brands or thousands and thousands of pieces of creative, which is very fortunate because when you ask specific questions, you get specific answers. And then the questions that you've, you briefed me on, Justin, it's fantastic. I can't wait to talk about this because it's very relevant and actually right now. Overall, uh, we do see an overall pullback. And I know there's a specific question about this, so I won't go too deep into that one. Um, we are struggling. Easiest way of explaining that we are definitely not thriving like we thought we would do in the middle of where we were last year this time. Um, why do we think that is? I'm still grasping. I'm still trying to reach and pull from this stuff. Um, thankfully, we are diversifying, which we'll talk about in a short second. The biggest change and the biggest focus that I know we're doing is we are adding in a lot more advertorials than we thought of before, an actual page for us to kind of drive traffic into and build audiences off of. Now, look, I'll, I'll die in this hill tremendously. Creative is going to do the most, the majority of your targeting for you, especially after the reduction of interests around the audiences that we are making our money with. I'm not going to lie, like we were making good money with still running to interest or really, really nice lookalike audiences that were still pixel backed. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of lowered ourselves from that. We don't do many of that. We do a lot of broad audience targeting, um, broad or no audience targeting specifically. Um, but we are driving to majority of our AOVs right now that are working is, and I'm looking at it right now, about $46. This was not the case in Q1. It was definitely not the case in Q4 last year. And I always will die on the hill of like, it has to be 60 plus, 60 bucks plus or, or whatnot. But maybe because of the, the fear that people have in the market and the overall not wanting to spend money, we're seeing a cheaper product do a little bit better around what's happening right now for overall iOS. And optimization, I'll tell you this, we use both tools. Like we, we, we some people use Hyros, a couple of clients use Wicked Reports, um, but we, we are primarily on the North and the Triple. And we do get information back. We get a little bit of directional optimization there. And I think it's, it's, it isn't going to be as good as what we think it's, it isn't going to be as good as what it was before, but it's kind of like, you can't have that hill anymore. Like I wrote an iOS update doc in January, like a year or two ago, but when it, when it happened and a lot of people live in that fantasy land of like, when is it coming back? And it just isn't like, it, it just isn't. And we can't keep talking about that. You have to kind of deal with the data that you have at hand. Um, so this is me more of like a roundabout way of like, we've accepted it. We are optimizing. I like to call like, we are now in the era of two screen media buying. So you have to optimize with what's on platform because look, that's where we're clicking buttons at. But we have to validate and review everything else happening on second screen on either a, a, some sort of tracking tool. Cool. So, um, you know, just to, just to add to it, I think, first of all, I find it funny because a lot of clients now are kind of talking about Facebook's not tracking properly. Fact is, Facebook never really tracked properly. You know, it was as close as we could get. It is worse now, um, but it's also highlighted the importance of attribution. So a lot of clients didn't really care about attribution before Apple made it a thing. Um, and I think there were a few of us that still did care about attribution and use different platforms back then. And we benef benefited from that. So I've been a heavy user of Google Analytics right from the early 2000s, like, I don't know, 2007, 2008, all the way through. I've, I've loved it. It's, it's an amazing platform. There are better tools out there to go deeper. And, you know, Nick's mentioned a few of those as well. As, as well. I have tested other attribution platforms. We've kind of settled on Wicked Reports. I don't think the interface is the best. It's a bit of a, you know, it's garbage, let's be honest. But the tool is pretty good. Um, and it, 
there is a learning curve. I am fairly technical. I've had to go deep into it. And I think tools like Triple Wow have definitely come in and made it so much easier. If you're on Shopify, it's so much easier just to see what's going on. Whether it's as deep as Wicked Reports, I doubt. And, and I, in fact, I know. But that said, it's decent enough for most people. Like, bear in mind, us on the call and us that are listening in, we're the 0.01% of Facebook media buyers that go really, really deep. The majority of Facebook advertisers, look, there's more than 10 million out there. They don't really know how things work. They don't really want to know how things work. They just want to put some money in, launch some ads and make some money. Um, and that's really who Facebook are catering for. So, you know, in one way, so I work with Facebook in terms of different panels, products, um, development and things like that. They're always catering for the many. Like very rarely will someone at Facebook say, I've developed this really good tool for, uh, you know, in-depth media buyers and people from ad buyers, ad leaks and things like that. We, we are pushing the boundaries. And it reminds me of my days of affiliate marketing. I think affiliates are some of the mo most amazing media buyers out there because you have to make do with um, very little, especially with data and things like that. And you figure out workarounds. I think a lot of my data hacks came from my affiliate marketing days as well. And, you know, where I'm looking at it now is, there is hesitancy from clients with ad spend and, and looking at things in a, in a different kind of lens. Okay, what is Facebook actually contributing? What is Google actually contributing? Where does email actually fit in? Fact is, um, no one really knows. Like, there's no 100% cure out there. There never has been. And I, I can't see it ever happening anytime soon as well. Because the thing is, there's different devices people use. There's different uh, pixel or server-based tracking methodologies that are not all the same. So I think when it comes to that kind of hesitancy, I know Nick's talked about it a lot in terms of MER, uh, marketing efficiency ratio. Uh, I came up with something a bit random called uh, estimated ROAS, which is taking overall revenue that you're making in the business and overall ad spend. And it is, it is a, it's, it's a dirty metric. It's not pure. But at the end of the day, when you're looking at it from a business owner's point of view and you say, right, how much money am I putting down in marketing? So, you know, 20%, 30% of my revenue into marketing. Am I profitable? Am I making money? They're the business level decisions you need to make. And I think sometimes media buyers get caught up in the micro details of which ads generating the best ROAS and things like that. And often we look at ad accounts as overalls and, and you know, looking at as many data points as we can, whether it's Google Analytics or Wicked Reports or Facebook or Google um, Ads Platform to make the best decisions we can. But ultimately, I think as a media buyer, as an agency owner, and whatever play you're playing, you have to have that different cap for those different scenarios. Yes, if you're media buying, you need to be looking at the micro details and things like that. But if you're discussing something with a business owner, you, it's your responsibility to get them to focus on you know, what's actually making money for them and try and get them out of the weeds. I think a lot of the business owners do want to feel like they're, they know what's going on and they've read an article and they want to make sure you know that what's going on. Part of it is just confidence building and, and just building that trust up that actually I, I, my team, we know what we're doing. We will get the results. Just stick with it. Here's the plan. Here's the reporting. And here's what we're trying to do for you guys. Yeah. A couple of points on that brought up three extra questions. I'll do the easy one first. GA4, Depeche, I know you have your um, BPM, or not BPM, it's the GA1. Is that the BPM? The FAT framework, yeah. Fat, yeah, FAT framework. How do you feel about GA4? Um, GA4, so we're actually in the process of updating that whole uh, media buying process to cater for GA4. 
because we're losing some reports and we're gaining a few extra UTM metrics and things like that. So things do have to change. And the biggest thing I would tell anyone on the call that's using Google Analytics is get GA4 set up ASAP because in July 2023, there's going to be a hard stop. So Universal Analytics is going to stop collecting data. Google Analytics 4 is going to be the only way to collect data. So even if you don't know what you're doing, just set up those GA4 profiles now and then work on the transition process. So um, you know, it is what it is. I think Google um, obviously know far more than we do about uh, the data they've got, the analytics, privacy stuff that's coming up. I don't think it's unrelated to what Apple are doing, what perhaps what's happening with um, cookies and server side stuff. I think they're planning ahead. In a few years time, yep. I'm sure we'll look at GA4 and say, wow, this is amazing. Wish we had it sooner kind of thing. But yep. for now, it's a massive curveball, a massive headache. Um, and you will need to, I imagine, go into your ads on probably not Google because it will integrate, but on Facebook, on TikTok, on all these other platforms and change your UTMs, which is a nightmare in itself. Um, but it's just one of those things. Yeah, I had a good call with a Facebook rep last week because we're working on actually what you said, setting this up, transitioning everything. And they said, I asked them, I said, what's, what's the reason? And it's a fairly high up person. And I said, what was the reason for all this? And she said exactly what you said. It's completely 100% because of privacy. UA is not actually there out of legal compliance with UA, which is why they're moving to GA4. So um, I hate it as, just as much as you do. Um, one more question on that. I, I got Go one ahead. for, I want to double down on both of you with those like, and it's something that you were talking about, Justin, I kind of brushed over, so I apologize, is the communication towards brands or clients or partners that want to work with us in, or in any, in, and not just anybody, like if I'm an agency owner on this, or if I'm a marketer, if I'm anybody that has, makes their living by supporting somebody else's living or somebody else's business. These conversations are, are questions, are questions that we get, right? Like when we're trying to screen for a partner that we will work with, look, we're thick. We're 156 people. That's not how it used to be. Like we were lean and we were mean and we were, we were, we were, and at this point where we're at, like, dude, we are, the conversations that I'm pulling into with myself and the other founders is like, we're looking to acquire by agencies. And a lot of this stuff now is asking them, how long are you, how, what's the retention like? How, how long are people sticking with you or where are they sticking with you? And they're going like, we're, we're, we're getting people churning left and right. Like I was up this morning having conversations and like, hey, I have a 10 day opt out. And it's protection on the contract side is something that not enough people are kind of discussing or even talking about. And we do our best to, to honor every single contract. Some people like to pull rip cords and you kind of got to dance around it. But when we're looking at, at relationships and asking questions of like whether or not you should partner with a brand like this or not, they have to have revenue coming other than paid media. Like if, if someone comes to us and says like, we only make our money through Facebook or through or through uh, social or through search, it's a deep dive into like okay, how, how fast can we get SMS, how fast we can get anything else up. And I'm very curious on both of you two where you guys service a, a handful of brands. Are there any specific questions that you guys ask that are like, if I don't ask this question, I potentially put myself or my team into a situation where that this churn is going to be way quicker than anticipated. Yeah. I'm trying to get better at that because we had an, one of our other, this kind of goes into another question that I had. I don't think it was on the sheet. It's just client issues. You know, I mean, clients don't, un, I mean, you guys probably experience the same thing, but clients don't understand their numbers. Like we had a situation that arose this morning with the client this morning, July was the best month they've had in terms of the ROAS is up. Customer acquisition is down new customer acquisition is down 
email marketing revenue is down in four days or the, for the month of August, 70%. Their campaign revenue from email is down 70% the first week. We used to do their email. Somebody else from India, doesn't matter where they're from, guys doesn't know what he's doing in email, is blasting to the entire list. Click rates have dropped, open rates have dropped. Right. They come to us and they say, oh, performance is horrible the last eight days. We got to, we, we can't do this anymore. It's like, dude, you just had the best month you've ever had. Look at the screenshot from Triple Well. It literally shows you what the problem is. Like, are you stupid? I, I, I mean, clients, it just, they don't understand. We've been telling them your email sucks. Your email sucks. Like we're bringing all these new leads. You guys aren't doing your job to convert them. So what we're trying to do is make sure that the brands that we're partnering with, and I think today was a good eye opener. Um, to make sure that their in-house marketing is, you know, set and foundational, because I think that's the biggest thing that we're noticing. Um, if they do a hack email job, they're not posting regularly on social, you know, they're not, that's what we personally notice. but I would love to hear, you know, what you guys, what you guys are seeing on your end. So, I mean, from my perspective, like, first of all, red flags, when it comes to clients, it could be a whole batch of like 99 different flags. But one of the things we do before we take on a brand is, um, we look at four parts of their business. So where does the product sit? So for example, is it blue ocean, red ocean? Is it high AOV, low AOV? Um, is it uh, something that needs a lot of explanation, something that's easy to sell? So there's different criteria just on the product and brand itself. Then we're looking at um, how well do they have they carved out their audience understanding. So for example, if a brand's been running for 12 to 24 months, they've probably got a good idea of their avatar and therefore it's easy to plug into social media and start running ads and things like that. Then we look at their actual offers and their ads. Like have they figured out the bridge between the product and the audience? So the bridge is here's, here's what we're selling. Um, here's why it's good for you or here's what we're doing for you. Um, because honestly, and, and the, the final part is the funnel. So we're looking at their ads funnel, uh, ads, ads funnels, and, and also the sales funnels. And nine out of 10 clients that come to us, the offer in the funnel is the biggest problem. Like they haven't yep. figured out their avatar, they don't know how to sell to them, or their funnels are really, really bad. And there are cases where they are actually doing well, but they don't know why. And it's just chance that they've figured out a really good offer, but their funnel is poor, things like that. So um, rather than kind of rejecting them based on that, what we've figured out is dependent on where they are on those four factors, we sell them in different products. So for example, what I'm because I, I also train up agency owners as well, and we build this into our systems to help them build better offers, is not all clients need your ads management. Sometimes it's like a six to 12 month um, build like one-off project. So it's literally, here's where you are right now. Here's where you need to get to. When you're at that stage, we'll run the ads for you. But right now, and, and we share the plan with them and say, you can go and do this yourself if you've got the in-house team, or we'll do it for you. But until you're at this stage, you can't pour the gasoline from Facebook ads into it. It just won't work. And, and right. I think the problem is there are so many freelancers and agency owners out there that will just take on the contract. They will start running media buying and get bad results because that's what the client wants. The client wants media buying. They want you to run Facebook ads. They want you to scale it. But what if they're not ready? And I think that's the biggest problem I see at the moment, which is um, clients are desperate for help. They don't know where to turn. Uh, there's too many freelancers and agencies that are just desperate for leads and they'll just close. And it creates a whole shitstorm essentially. Do you, do you have a do you have a minimum, Depeche, that you aim for that they're not doing an X? Because all the stuff you talked about, in my opinion, you can fix. You know, like you can fix. It might take some time, but it's Absolutely. easily fixable by you or their team. Do you have like a minimum threshold of if they're not over a hundred thousand a month, we won't look at them because they probably don't have that good foundational base, kind of like what I talked about, or 
Yeah, I'd say between 50 and 100K is a decent level. Because again, it depends on A or B. Like you could be doing 50,000 in revenue, but you're selling 10, $15 front end, and you're making 30, $40 uh, back end, and it's still marginally profitable. We can tweak that, but you have a lot of data. Whereas if you're selling something for two, $300, dollars you're not making very many sales for that 50K. So that, that's another factor as well. Sure. I, th I love that way of approach because it, it is super important and it kind of leads us into the next kind of kind of discussion overall. Along with that question of like offer and making sure it works, the first question we asked is like, are you profitable? Like, is it, is it is what you're doing currently working? And if it's not, then like we understand is it an easy fix or is it a hard fix? And I think before, and look, there's various people in the athletes community that are in different stages of growth or, or beginning or, or scaling or their media buyer for a larger team. And I think the, the hardest part to understand for, at least for us, especially where we've come into, we always ask two questions and this is never going to leave. How do you get your content? Are you producing it or do you have a process in which you're producing it? Or is that going to fall into the team in which you're trying to grow with? Because that's becoming way more prevalent because as we're looking to try and diversify, we have to go into TikTok, right? Like we have to start spending there because two reasons, and this is it. The clients are talking about it which means that the clients are talking about it and you're not the one doing it, guess what? They're going to find somebody else doing it, right? For those one. Two, that content is actually converting on Facebook. So we we know that if we need to spend the time and effort there to scale it up, but the, the here's the crazy part, and this is the thing that nobody wants to hear. It's not the media buying that we've noticed make the difference on TikTok. It's the content and the frequency and the scale in which you get the content onto the platform that's making the difference, which is like, Shaq, Depeche, Justin, tell me the tell me the strategy I need to do to scale my TikTok ads. And the 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 shitty thing to say is it's the process in which you get content into this platform, test it, and then send it. Like we like I've we've taught like we've we've been sitting and listening and consuming Maxwell Finn's content. The dude's got quality quality TikTok ads. I think even uh, a gentleman that has really helped me personally, Michael Sanchez, that dude came out with a lot totally. of audit tools and a lot of different things. And I have to give those two the OG shoutouts because we were not the leads of TikTok. We have to do it now for two reasons. One, retention of client. And two, you have to stay up to date with what's happening. And that's that's the same exact feeling we have towards Google Max, same exact feeling we have towards lead gen to email sign up or email or SMS sign up. It's getting a lot more nitty gritty and finding the brands that are okay or open or understanding that what took us to where we were before, because look, it's, it's still shocking to this day. Some people are just so out of touch because some of the founders or some of the brand owners, they're product people and not marketing people. So they come into it with having like almost a, like a disrespect towards what it takes to scale or what it takes to grow or, or run paid media. And they think it's simpler because they've seen what had happened in the past. Mm -hmm. We're guilty for this too, even when we assume stuff. And nowadays I'm going, if they just have a, if they have a general idea of what's happening, they can focus on the production of the content or the, and the production of a type of product let the other people stay in their lane. Right. And, and just to build on TikTok. So what we've found works really well for e-com and you know, it'd be great to hear other people's opinion is, um, so what, back in 2015, I was one of the beta testers on Pinterest when they launched ads because the business I was working with, uh, their, their investor was also an investor of Pinterest. Um, and what we found, first of all, we couldn't spend more than three to 5K a day. They just didn't have the audience. But secondly, although they weren't converting as direct response, they were converting through Facebook ads, retargeting, Google ads, retar remarketing as well. And I think there's a bit of play with that with TikTok. So for example, for us, 
when we run TikTok ads, we actually optimize for add to cart for e-commerce. And we find that that's the most profitable. So we track um, through Wicked reports and also um, looking at kind of um, Facebook ads performance and lift with TikTok ads as well. And I think part of it is the way people are consuming TikTok is, is so addictive that you almost want to get back to TikTok as soon as you can. You don't have that with Facebook. It's not like you're on Facebook and you're seeing uh, item after item in your feed and it's just like you want to see the next one, see the next one. It's Facebook is quite quite casual. Instagram is quite casual. TikTok is unbelievably addictive. And I think at least what I found is when you're trying to make an e-com sale, especially if it's not extremely impulsive and low ticket, they need a bit more time. So we've actually found Optimize from Frantacart gives um, TikTok the stability, lots of data, and actually ends up performing well as part of a marketing mix um, when mixed in with Google and Facebook as well. Yep. That kind of leads into the other question. And we started talking about a little bit, what, well, what other platforms other than Facebook are you incorporating in your ad strategy? And what does that strategy look like from a thousand foot view? Um, and I know we talked a little bit. So Nick, if you want to go like, what what does your marketing mix uh, look like amongst those channels from like a percentage of spend ratio? Like, you know, we've always talked about 50 to 60% Facebook, 30 to 40% Google is what we see work well. Um, you know, we invest heavily into SEO, but what does that strategy look like? You know, and what, what does that look like from a top level view? Yeah. Thank you for asking. Good leading me in. Um, I would say we're actually flip-flopped into heavier spend on Google. This is, uh, it actually started happening, I would say August 8th today, just January, February push. And this wasn't out of, oh, we need to diversify. This was more of the, we were chasing performance. Like we were just hunting. We were, we were assassins on this. We were not nationalists. We were just trying to make the money as fast as we can and increase retention which month over month, the increase of spend has been going significantly more towards Google. And I, I, will, I will raise my hand, I am not a Google person. I will not talk strategy on Google, but when I'm looking at the overview of the thousand foot approach, we are 60 to 70% Google, hmm. 30 to 40% Facebook. And then this last remaining budget, I want my brands to be spending at least 10% on TikTok because they have to, like you, you, you just have to for two reasons. That content is going to be distributed across my other platforms and you can't afford to, to not have some sort of the CPM arbitrage. Like if you're looking solely on just like a primitive, how do I get people or traffic to my site? The CPMs across the board for TikTok is just the cheapest way. They might not be the highest quality. And I'll speak on that on two fronts. We do a good amount of lead gen at this point and we do a good amount of e-com. The quality is usually shit from TikTok, but the volume is so significant versus when it's coming from Google and when it's coming from Facebook, Instagram. So that is our initial breakdown. Our email, like I don't, I don't think spending on email or spending on, on SMS is a relevant conversation in terms of this uh, acquisition versus retention conversation. This is more of like an acquisition conversation, but we do majority of our spend on the Google fronts. And I know look, our team is excited about Google Max. Uh, we've been learning from a little bit of, from, from Brett uh, overall. And then we are learning a little bit, which you want, we actually don't do too much on YouTube. And this is a question I've asked my team heavily about. And every time I get uh, responses back, they're like, well, we don't have the creative fortitude or we don't have the creative assets. We don't have the creative things. And I don't know if that's just bullshit or if, if them if that, that's like real. Yeah, YouTube is harder than, I mean, YouTube is probably harder than TikTok in my opinion. Like I'll tell you, we don't see very good performance on TikTok. I read all these case studies of these people crushing TikTok over Facebook. I've yet to see it with anything that we touch. Okay. I'm not, I just, maybe I, I was agree. a lone, lone ranger in the room, but YouTube is harder than TikTok, especially 
what I tell people is from an e-commerce standpoint, unless you have a flagship product that's like stand out that nobody else has. And that creative is so eye catching because they can't literally get it anywhere. YouTube would work, but like Tom breeze, you know, I know he's supposed to be a YouTube. I mean, I don't see how, uh, how even with, brand recognition. I mean, I know you worked with Apple. I work on some yeah. brands that, you know, spend a hundred million a year. We run YouTube, nothing. And they have the brand recognition. So I, I don't think it's bullshit at all for your team to back them on that. Okay, good. Cause I'm going like, why are we not testing this? And they're like, <laughs> they're like, they're like, they're like, dude, I would rather, I rather put my money into like door to door sales. I was like, all right, fine. Fair enough. Yeah. I agreed hundred percent. Or the big thing that I didn't hear, that didn't hear you touch on search engine optimization seo that converts better than any paid media strategy there is now i won't it's not that i it's not that we don't do it it's a, that we it's not that we don't recommend it it's that we can't do it we don't know how to do it and if we are doing it because i i pay for it like i for nick and for structured and for constant we pay for it we believe into it but in yeah. terms of like a quick strategy or a way to it's not it's not quick and nope. when, when, when I've been pegged or when our team has been pegged as direct response, paid media or paid acquisition specialists, and we're over here trying to talk to you about SEO, they're going like, who the fuck are you? Like, what do you, why are you, why do you want to talk to me about this? Talking about Facebook or acquisition. So I'm, it's more of me just like accepting where we're at and allowing yeah. partnerships to do the rest. So I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. And my response to them, cause I've gotten that is I'm trying to help you diversify your business. And this is how you invest that's going to return better than anything you're going to put your money into over the course of time with compounding interest. I mean, I use this phrase all the time. If anybody's ever heard me talk SEO, it is a 401k investment, 100%. I use it, you know, you, and they always say, well, what, what do you charge? Well, how much can you put into it? I don't know what your business looks like from a revenue perspective. We don't have packages. Can you afford a thousand a month? Because when you're putting that money away, don't, look to see a return on it. It's literally stacking into a savings account and you're not going to be able to. So if you got a level where you can put $10,000 into it, amazing. We can go out, we can do a solid link building strategy, work on DA, work on content strategy, but it's literally what you can afford to put into it is going to yield how fast you're going to get a return. And I always leave it up to the client based on maybe, you know, what they are comfortable with of putting into it. But so, so just to bridge a gap between you guys, this is how we do it. So first of all, good S a good SEO leads to good Facebook algorithm optimization. So, you know, Facebook crawls websites. It looks at HTML structure. It looks at tags, looks at XML and all markups and things like that. So first of all, good on-page and on-site SEO will lead to better broad audiences. I've, I've written a lot about this as well. Secondly, um, Nick, you talked about advertorials. Set up your advertorials in the right way and, and get them indexed. That's great SEO in its own right as well. So I think like the way we don't talk to clients directly about SEO, but we do advertorials. We do lots of on-page optimizations to help Facebook. And in turn, that fires up some of the SEO. And I know like SEO is how I made my uh, money initially in affiliate marketing like 10 years ago. So I've been deep into the affiliate world. And, you know, I'd say the on-page stuff has an impact. Then if you've already done that, it's not that hard to do the link building and build on top from that as well. So I think, um, you know, that's the way we, we, we don't talk about being an SEO agency, SEO expertise, anything like that. It's just get them to do some good onsite. We don't have the facilities to go out and link by and things like that, but it's, that's not difficult to find someone like yourself, Justin, that can no. plug in because 
from your perspective, if you end up with a client and they've got really good on-site SEO structure, cross-linking topics, keywords, and things like that, your job's infinitely easier because that's the harder right. thing to essentially implement. There's none of this too. I'm constantly getting me squeezed with SEO. You can literally go, guys, this is long-term. Don't call me. Talk to me in six months from now. Here's your report. Like paid acquisition, it's every single day. ROAS is down per 10%. We're up 20% tomorrow. Scale it twice, 2X, spend two double amount. Wait, we, we tanked, it's down. What's going on? Like SEO, there is none of that. It's so much easier on the clients that it's like, quit bugging me. It's this. And, and I think part of the problem is like, <laughs> when, when is the right time to enter SEO? And I'd say if yeah. you're not doing seven figures, personally, I, don't, I think it's too early. Because yeah. the thing is, you need profitability, stability. You need to be able to step back, like you said, and let it develop. And in six to eight, 12 to 18 months, SEO will be such a big part of your um, your your traffic that it it makes logical sense that you know you waited for that investment and then you're de-risking the impact of Facebook ads dropping and things like that. It's, yeah. It does make a huge difference. So based on what Nick was talking about, Depesh, what is your top level view of Facebook, Google, TikTok, Snapchat, Pinterest? We don't touch Snapchat and Pinterest. I don't ever see those converted to me. It's worse than TikTok, but maybe I'm the Lone Ranger. Um, yeah. What does yours look like, Depesh? So typically, similar to what you said, 50 to 60% Facebook, um, 20, 30% Google, like Google ads, uh, sorry, Google search, Google, Google shopping and GDN. Um, and then the rest is playing around with, like, as Nick said, at least giving five to 10% to other channels like TikTok. And I think right now, TikTok is my third um, platform behind Facebook and Google. Um, and then just experimenting where we can. So for example, we've experimented with YouTube and e-commerce yet to make it work. I'll, I'll be honest, it hasn't really fired for us. YouTube and info products, absolutely. It works amazingly well. And I think part of it is like, why is someone on YouTube and what they're looking for? So something that came to my mind, Nick, was I think you had the brand with um, the car shampoo or something like that. Now, if yeah. you're searching on YouTube for muscle cars, sports cars, things like that, and you're watching racing and things like that, then the e-com ad, sorry, the ad comes up for this power wash and shampoo and stuff, then it's entirely relevant. But if you're selling jewelry, like how do you find someone who's relevant for jewelry? They're probably on Pinterest. They're probably on TikTok. They're probably not on. So it's about context and where people are on their particular journey and how you can nudge them out. And I think YouTube is, I think you have to have certain products for e-com to make it work. Mm -hmm. no, I, I, thank you so much for leading me in this. So I've been on this fitness journey for literally 69 days, so almost 70 days. I went full carnivore. What carnivore is, is like, it's literally meat, eggs, water, salt, pepper. I've lost 40, I've lost uh, 42 pounds and I'm consuming content. I'm like, holy crap. Like I'm learning and consuming, consuming. And I will tell you, I have never found more niche products than when I'm Googling carnivore diet for 31 year old males, carnivore diet for, and I'm getting served up like the perfect amount of things on, on YouTube. And I feel, and this is, I hope, hope Breeze or, or Brett or anybody on the YouTube side of things is, is, is there. But I feel as though if you have a product that ser serves a specific niche community, this is the place where people are consuming and spending hours on it because tie it back into TikTok. TikTok has built their platform to just be an excessive addiction to never leave. Facebook and uh, look, Facebook and Instagram have built it in a way where like you'll consume, but you're also going to be a little bit bypassed and shop. You're going to sit there and shop a little bit. 
TikTok yep. just wants you to stay on it. So you might not even be able to get off that platform because you're already onto the next piece. So it's interesting to see like YouTube. I, I, I watch more YouTube than I do TV by far, by far. And I'm primarily doing it in terms of research and education, which is pretty, pretty cool for me to get served the things that I want to actually buy. So, so a few years ago, we worked with um, Drew Canoli over at Organifi. They okay. were spending like tens of millions um, on platforms like YouTube. But they were like, Drew is a content machine. If you've ever seen and you need inspiration for content, go and check out Organifi. But it was super contextual targeting. So if you imagine they're selling these um, health supplement drinks, there are so many niches and channels and keywords to search for on YouTube. Um, and, and they're so contextual, it just works. And I think they're the things that you need to look at is if people are searching for health and uh, fitness and things like that, does your product fit that? So I, I think with YouTube, figure out what people are consuming and figure out the products you can sell on there. If you're starting from scratch, then that's a great place to start. If you have an existing product, it's literally a case of, can I sell on Facebook, uh, on YouTube? Is there a market that are active there? If not, then move on. Um, you know, we, we've decided that certain products are just not worth testing there and we kind of don't even bother. Yeah, I'm very interested. Uh, me and Depeche have the same channel allocation and maybe it's because we both use Wicked. <laughs> I'm interested <laughs> to see why yours is so heavily more Google than because we see the complete opposite. Every single brand we touch, it's Facebook first touch, first touch attribution. They're coming in from Facebook. Google is helping close the sale and convert. And maybe that's, I, I don't know, maybe it's a weighted thing with, that's what we see completely. I think it's two. I think it might be two things because the last shop that we acquired, they were absolutely strong. They were so strong. We we came in very very strong on Facebook, very very strong on Instagram, and deep dive like there was an it was an overall company initiative to become better and stronger on TikTok. Like we invested heavily, we put a lot of favors, we asked a lot of help, and we we feel confident with the process in which how we how we optimize and run ads there. And this new shop that we kind of like to go over ownership and they're they're beasts in google they're beasts in shopping they're beasts in displays and they're like leading heavily in there and i think that might be where the team is and there's a lot of chatter in there in the group so potential in our like our internal shit so it mm -hmm. might be that, that might be more of like a a biasy that my team is having versus others i i'm assuming right because yeah. well, I, we yeah. we close for we close for facebook but it more so now, I would say in the last couple of brands that we have, it's always Facebook, TikTok, Google, Facebook, TikTok, Google. Yeah. And we, and like, I think it kind of comes down to the type of contracts that you have, right? Like if you have a contract where like you have to produce or you have to show profitability as immediately as possible, my team is going to hunt. And so it look, it looks like based upon the allocation of spend that we have, we're hunting on, uh, on Google more than Google. Facebook. I, I guess one of the things for us is we use video heavily with broad audiences and Facebook. So that you can't really do on Google so much. So because of that, we end up capturing a lot more. Um, we, our net is wider top of the funnel. So we can funnel that into direct response. And I think that's probably why it lends itself more into Facebook than any other channel right now. Um, it's just so much easier to do that. Mm -hmm. What are the biggest lever or levers that you guys see that are moving the needle like the one thing or the two things that you're like holy shit this is what pushes it to the next level this is what redlines it so I'll, I'll go one specifically like we have more spend and we actually got flagged from this from our from our rep we have more spend running through creator pages or pages that are non-branded on facebook instagram than anybody and then any other amount of spend that we have 
And we have that report. Mm. Like, this is like why we're doing this. I'm not too sure. I think my team is trying to optimize across TPMs and seeing if they can get some sort of improvement overall on spend. But we have so many variable pages there, which kind of sucks for two reasons. One, some of these earlier or newer pages that don't have much social proof on it, you're limited with the amount of type of ad. You're limited to the total amount of ads you can make per page. And if you're, you can't carry over social proof to another page, if that ad is completely doing fantastic, there's no sharing of this stuff on the brand side. So you kind of lose a little bit of extra on that. So you're trying to hope, to, hope for it to improve. And then second for creative specifically on TikTok, split screen or basically you have one creator and they're doing a scene where they're talking to themselves. And that like entertaining view that we, we have to request this more than any other piece of creative, more than unboxing, more than more than remixes, but it's like the creator talking to themselves twice. Those are the two things that I would say uh, are doing and are moving the, the needle for us. Quick quick question on that. And Depeche, you can probably better answer, answer this better. So I don't, we don't do that a lot. Am I wrong in thinking, and I probably am, are you linking those as like uh, pages that are in paid partnerships? Because my impression was that Facebook had a strict policy in place to where the page had to be tied specifically with the ad account and it needed to be clear that the page and business were one. Otherwise there was like a terms of service issue. But I know Josh Snow like invented that whole thing to where he had like page after page after page. Like, you know, there's nothing around that in the policy that causes any issues. It probably is like we made, we made Josh and I are so fantastic friends and we did a, a, a tremendous amount of work with him. And so that strategy is something that he and I were, were playing a part of way back when, and we do it significantly now. Like there's no way Facebook can tell me left and right what, what they want me to do or one page, one, one ad account, but they're not going to stop me from doing this on Legion. They're not going to stop me from doing this on, on branded and it could yeah. be somewhere, but look, the amount of messages that we get for for reps leaving teams agencies oh, yeah. is tremendous our rep the only thing she has ever said to us was like you guys have more spend to creators pages than you do the brand pages like let's have a conversation so we can understand why and so like i am i like i'm a little <laughs> bit interested in like why she wants to have a conversation this is probably gonna happen this week but it is something that we know is working which is obviously why we're trying oh, to exploit yeah. it as, as aggressively as possible but it definitely definitely is in some sort of policy of them wanting it to be in partnership but look yeah you don't you don't get a win if you stay in in the lane no, for as, sure as, as I, well, possible. and i've seen josh has done it forever but i depeche i know you know policy i know it's not it's not it's not going to be specifically written because the policies aren't that clear yeah but is that not an issue for well, you, well, I, I i did take this to a rep because we took on a client a few years ago and um, he was heavily running these kind of promotions and i said kind of the the way you're doing it isn't per policy. So we took it to our rep. We didn't say, hey, our client is doing this. We said, look, is this in theory doable? And, and she said at the time, it's a gray area. Um, and at the moment, she couldn't tell us yes or no. So from, yeah. it, it says Nick said, it's kind of, you can still do it. Um, there is possibly a poss policy violation. And in typical fashion with Facebook, at some point, they'll probably just <laughs> flick a switch and all of a sudden, yeah. all these all these things become, um, you know, disapproved and banned and things. Oh, yeah. So it's a risk you carry, but at the moment, I think it's a gray area. Yes. Okay. That... All right. Um, and then for your biggest lever, we didn't hear from you on your biggest levers. I, I think the biggest lever, uh, I was going to say lever, but I say lever. The biggest lever for me is um, when we go with broad audiences, 
is to break out the um, different avatars within that. So, you know, when you think about, and, and I, I guess this is common with the kind of less experienced media buyers, they'll pick one angle, go deep on it, it doesn't work, and they'll say the broad audience doesn't work. But we try and go with a wide variety of angles. And often when we do find something that's scaling, um, we can pivot those angles, create two, three, four opportunities and move heavily with those but also keeping the funnel congruent, which means the landing page and the ad and the ad angle are matching. So, you know, if we're talking about um, macros and we're selling macros for, you know, weight loss or for bodybuilding, muscle building, things like that, the ad and the landing page connect. So the same product can appeal to various different types of buyers. And I think that helps us to leverage scale a lot better. So, you know, when you do finally add angles, it's not just a case of let's just funnel it into this landing page and get as much traffic as we can. Advertorials, like Nick mentioned, are amazing because they bridge the gap, the, the trust gap as well, that it doesn't feel like the brands are shouting at you. And, and breaking out of the, the standard, like the amount of times I've seen someone use a standard product page in Shopify or something like that as their lead sales page, it's it's just such a waste of real estate. Like we use gem pages. There's other pages you can use. Some people use unbounce and click funnels as a bridge. You've got so much opportunity to sell your product and create a story and things like that. I think it's just I think it's a bit of a failure when you just go into uh, Shopify, use a standard product page. You've got great content in your ads. You've got diversified traffic. And it's all going into a poorly formatted page with, you know, image on the left and the, and some buy button on the right and things like that. And you're not testing the the temperature of your traffic. Cold traffic, they need something different. Hot, yeah, just get them straight into price and uh, buy now and things like that. Yep. Oh, I just thank dropped the. Thank you. Sorry, oh, Justin. Thank you for doubling down This is something that we never thought or needed to do, but until we started losing data and information, like we're like we need more things for these people to kind of. Like, land on, learn, and then move on from it. It used to just be, as we know, add conversion, add some sort of fucking page. But now it's, I need I need to sell them. From from anything that doesn't need to be sold from, baby, we have baby products running to car shine to uh, rubber wedding rings. Like it's so dumb to say this, but we're having to sell so aggressively on a page that never had to take our time or never even thought it was, it was important before. Yeah. I just dropped a uh, link in the chat. You guys you ever use anything like I had an interesting discussion with the founder. Um, it's kind of like the, I don't remember who you, Depeche, you probably know, but Facebook lost all their ability with that whole Cambridge Analytica. They were getting all of their data from, I want to say it was, it's not Experian, but it was a big data provider. Uh, Still there's data the logics there's oracle yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. Lots of different ones. you guys yeah. use any of those this is like one of those basically but um basically they have all of that data from all of those big data providers but then you can actually push it and they have a free i think a free trial or something until you use the data but um this seemed really really interesting to me have you guys ever tested anything like this as of in, in the past iOS? i haven't used it recently um but one of the amazing things we did so I was working for an e-com uh, company, uh, freelancing back in 2015, 2016, we were doing um, print on demand children books. And one thing we did was to take our sales data, including postcodes, push that into an external tool like this and pull out data from uh, consensus, from surveys, from polls, 
based on that postcode data and feed that back into Facebook. So we could find um, people who had high expenditure that were maybe like empty nesters. So their children have grown up and left, but their grandparents with lots of money, things like that, which you just could not do and you still cannot do on Facebook. So for those kind of things, when you've got a lot of data and, you know, I'm talking about at least 10 to 20,000 in data points that you can pull out of Facebook and push into these systems, it was it was amazing. And, you know, by, by that mm -hmm. point, we were doing five, six, seven million uh, revenue a year. We needed new ways to find new audiences. And, and you do get to a stage where you hit 10 million, 15, 20 million on Facebook. You can't. It's really, really hard to keep pushing further beyond that. So we had to find different ways. And, and it, it is really good um, once you can figure yeah. out your own segments and feed it into these tools. So Deep Sync Labs, I just had a look at the landing page. Looks great. Um, I, I don't know how it works and what they do and how they'd what they need from you to take that data into their systems to give you back something good. It's basically, I think what they do is they have all the old interests, old targeting that Facebook used to have pre all the Cambridge Analytica type stuff. So like mm. you can go in and build any audience based on all of the data points from all the data providers you want, essentially. Yeah. Because because um, the other the other problem is like data and privacy, especially in Europe, and how that complies with European data policy laws and California and things like that. I think that starts to get a bit muddy. So I'm not sure if that's as viable as it was some years ago. Um, you know, other things we've done is we bought B two B data when we're selling into B two B. So company size, company type, um, company revenue, things like that, which which do actually work quite well on Facebook as well. Yeah. Yeah, do you thanks. guys use anything like this? Thanks for sharing with this. No, we, if anything, we're using a tool like Veros where we're just looking for some benchmarking. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. veros.com. And then there's like another one that we're, we're in chats with. But no, we, we, we don't play with this, man. Like we have such good relationships with the North Beam and the Trip folks that we're, we're just trusting what they're giving us. And like maybe well, we this should. is completely different. This would be completely different because this is pushing like, you want to go, I, my understanding was meeting with them is if you wanted to go in and you wanted to pull an interest, like Facebook took away the option to target black people say, you know, maybe if that used to be an interest, this would have that you could go in and you could yeah. literally select that interest. Like it, it gives you all of the old interests that used to be there prior to the Cambridge analytical scandal, all of those, you know, juicy things that disappeared, this does it and then pushes it back into there. Yeah, and how it goes that, straight into your business that, account. How is that legal? Like, how is that possible? But, well, because the data providers, like he was saying, Oracle, all of that, you know, they, they have, you know, you can go buy data. Like we do something for like buying and selling leads. Like when you go and you get a loan somewhere, do you ever notice like when you refinance, you get all of these things in the mail about refinancing. Yeah. It's because of these data providers. They, they buy all that data. Then they start hitting you up. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, it seems really interesting. I haven't tried it, but it is kind of expensive. But I think you can even get a free trial or something and set it up. But if you guys use it, let me know because it, it might be something that might actually, I think, move the needle a little bit uh, that I've been thinking about trying. But so, so when we used to do it, we used to do it through Facebook directly. So you could speak to a rep and get connected to these data providers. You would pay for it with higher CPMs. Um, but what you're hoping for is better conversion, higher order yeah. values and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm um, um, talking about data systems. Um, there are also data collection um, containers you can install on your website to collect more data than Facebook can and push that back as well. Um, I'm not entirely sure how they work, but uh, one tool we're looking at is a tool called Customer Labs, um, where they actually 
collect data beyond what Facebook can, and they can push it back to a dedicated pixel and you get more pixel data as well, because it's not protected, it's not covered by Apple and iOS 14. So it looks promising, you know, we'll test it and I can share data we, once we get something on it as well. We did test one of those. I can't remember the name right now, but it actually did do better than a regular pixel. It's the same thing you're talking about. It was yeah. like more, it wasn't L of our, it wasn't Elevar, but it was more souped up than Elevar that pushes it back. And actually they can see all the, we could actually, we took that and we compared all the click data to Wicked and we were able to compare uh, the, the click data. I'll have to find the name of it, but I'll send it to you. Same thing, what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. The guy, one of the guys is like a statistics. Um, we got in the beta and he was like a statistics, uh, like at Harvard or something. He, like he does data statistics. And then they had one guy that was like a, Facebook marketer and they kind of put it together, but it, it actually did work. So we saw a little bit of a lift. I couldn't tell you what the percentage was. Um, cool. Communication and reporting. Um, I know we've talked about squeezing. How has that changed with clients and how is it being received? And like, what is your team trying to do to alleviate that kind of pain point? I feel like that's our biggest pain point is just customers not understanding you know even if you give them all the reporting they don't read the reports uh just cry if you cry on the call like they usually don't yell at you so if you <laughs> if you if you come to the call with tears already so what we do is we said no i'm kidding um uh, some people maybe do cry on calls we 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 completely redid our structure this is like i know we have five minutes so i'll keep this as short as possible we have one media buyer is now three roles. It's a media buyer, it's a creative strategist, and it's a uh, account strategist. So we have three roles in one. We've broken it up. That's why our shit's a little bit more expensive than most, which is why we have to be very careful on the type of brands we come into it, because we're no longer allowing one media buyer to communicate across all three things. The communication around creative, communication around paid media, and the communication around like what's upcoming We've increased the amount of chatter, which should have been coming from the media buyer. But what we realized when we looked at everything, because we have a little bit more information than than, than most at, the, at our thickness that we are currently sitting at, um, that increase of chatter, although it is something that they were already getting, is now deeper, more thorough, and more consistent at different times throughout the week. This is increase of communication that allowed them to see and feel that there is being there is more being done. It is more being done relatively, but since it's from coming from different pieces and different people, since it's about different things from different people and it's more focused on these core areas anyways, they're, they're thriving. They're really, really thankful for this stuff. We use motion for creative reporting as well as some of our own internal tools. Um, Triple whale is creative reporting is that we leverage that as well. They have the dashboard that they're using, whether it's North or whether it's triple. And then we pull the first customer or repeat buyers, the new customer acquisition costs and then just overall spend and overall turn. Um, and then we do this on three different structures, a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, it's around like what, it, what had happened, what is what we plan to do and what we expect to happen. And then we kind of revisit that again on Friday and we give a status update on Wednesday. And so what we forced ourselves to do, because at this point, uh, because of how big we are, I can't afford to lose or churn more than 10% every single month. We're bringing on, but we can't churn more than 10%. And so we increase the amount of communication and chatter. And this is solely around the three areas that we impact. This is on Did the you say side. motion or notion? 
motion. We, we, we do build on notion. Everything is a notion internally, but we use motion for creative reporting. And then triple did launch a new like creative dashboard. We're not fully transitioned into that yet. Uh, we still leverage some of the motion reporting. What, what is that motion.com or what? I've never heard of it. I don't think. I think, I think it's motionapp.com. It's it's from okay. the co-founder of Shoelace. So Reza. Oh, okay, yep. Good team, oh. good. Ah, I'll have to check this out. I don't know if we have a deal on this or not. What about you, Depesh? Yeah, yeah reporting's a mess. Um, so we went through a period um, from, I think, Feb, March last year to Feb, March this year of just trying to build our own systems. And we hired these uh, developers, coders, we had Tableau, we're gonna put all this data through and uh, we're gonna fit it with attribution and GA and UTMs and all that kind of stuff. In the end, it got so complicated and it was just like, we're not making progress here, let's just take a step back. And we canned it. So it was 12 months, we probably invested 60, 80K in trying to develop this tool. Um, and it's so difficult to get right. And in the end, we just went back to Google Analytics, Data Studio, internally supermetrics i'm still on the lookout for a catch-all solution there isn't one as far as i can see um and it's just yeah we, we just have to try and do as best we can you know we had report garden running but after ios 14 and losing all the segments all the data didn't quite make sense and some of the creative mm -hmm. reports which would break down by funnel that no longer was working so we've had to just kind of um make do and, and actually we're in a difficult position that some clients need some reports slightly differently and um if they've got wicked reports we can rely on that if they don't we use more google analytics and some kind of native by the way i use facebook reporting it's actually pretty good so if you go into the business manager and go into reporting facebook's own reporting is is quite good you can see trends graphs set up different types of reports um by funnel and things like that so we've got a mix of things but it's not ideal mm -hmm. All right. Well, guys, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, don't want to go over. I know you guys are both very, very busy. So want to thank everybody for joining. Uh, if you have any questions, drop them down in the chat. Or I know there was a few questions that we didn't get to. So we, we can come wanna, back in the chat at some yeah, point as well. Yeah. If you want to look through those and maybe just uh, help out the community, that would be great. So Absolutely. appreciate everybody's time. Bye, Depeche. Bye, cool. Justin. Good stuff. Cheers, Justin. Thanks, Cheers, Nick. Good to see All you guys. Right. Thanks. Later. All right, bye. bye.